This morning is a privilege for me to share the Word of God and I'm here to share with you on the last closure of the book of Nehemiah. I'm calling it the grand finale. And so today ends the season and next week starts a new season that God is doing in YM. And so today we end the season on Nehemiah and the season ends where God is raising Nehemiah in our midst to build the wall. And today my message will capture that. And then next week onwards, we will change. The season is changing where we are moving the Holy Spirit coming to empower the Nehemiah to fulfill God's purpose and vision. And so with that, let's read Nehemiah chapter 13 together. On that day, the book of Moses was read aloud in the hearing of the people and there it was found written that no Ammonites or Moabites should ever be admitted into the assembly of God because they had not met the Israelites with food and water but has hired Balaam and called a curse down on them. Our God, however, turned the curse into a blessing. When the people heard this law, they excluded from Israel all who were of foreign descent. Before this, Eliashib, the priest, had put in charge of the storerooms of the house of God. He was closely associated with Tobiah, and he had provided him with a large room formerly used to store the grain offering and incense and temple article, and also the tithe of grain, new wine, and olive oil prescribed for the Levites, musicians and gatekeepers, as well as the contribution for the priests. But while all this was going on, I was not in Jerusalem, for in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I had returned to the king. Sometime later, I asked his permission and came back to Jerusalem. Here I learned about the evil thing Eliashib had done in providing Tobiah and a room in the courts of the house of God. I was greatly displeased and threw all Tobiah's household goods and out of the room. I gave orders to purify the room and then I put back into the equipment of the house of God the grain offering and the incense. Let me just quickly cover what is happening in Nehemiah chapter 13 and this is not even my sermon for today. Let me just give you a summary of what was going on. After completing the wall and after doing everything, you know, Nehemiah had to move to go and do what God has called him to do. And while he's absent, what happened is that the people backslided. They regress. And so you see how they have backslidden when the leader is not there, when the person who came to build the wall was not there, everything backslided and he had to come back and put things in right. I think this, uh, this uh, outline is so appropriate, you know. It's like there are people who have been with Moses and seen all the wonders and signs that Moses did. And when the time Moses got, went on, there is no Joshua and Caleb to continue the work. Don't have the spirit to move on anymore. I thought this story is so powerful this Sunday, especially when I had to come back here. And so what does Nehemiah did when he saw things come back? Every time Nehemiah come back, he had to do correction. Very powerful. And so this is what's happened. You have people with Moses have seen everything with Nehemiah knew everything and the hard work and how this was done and that was done and the moment he left because his time was over and he thought so everything was regressed now comes to understand this chapter my message for this morning I've titled Resurrecting God's Vision shall we pray Father we thank you for this Sunday we thank you for this morning I pray in the mighty name of Jesus today that you will resurrect dreams and vision. I call in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit that what is dead will come to alive. And things that are not right according to your word, Lord, that we will catch the burden and the urgency to do things what is right. And so I pray as I commit this time to you, I ask that Lord, 
that you will anoint us and be with us and speak with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In order to understand the grand finale of uh, Nehemiah and to understand the gist of chapter 13, I have to do the whole book to bring you in closure and summary. And therefore, I have called this Resurrecting God's Vision and it starts with a burden for God's vision. One of the powerful things that you have seen from chapter 1 to chapter 2 is that how God raised Nehemiah, you know, and the way it started off, it started with a burden. It started with a vision. When Nehemiah heard, you will see in chapter 1, when Nehemiah heard that the war was in ruins, that the people were in ruin, it grieved his heart. And that's what the prayer is all about. That's what in chapter 1 and chapter 2, you will see that Nehemiah was grieving when God's purpose and will was not in place, it grieved him. And it was out of the grief that he captured the burden for the vision. And the vision was to do God's will. The vision was to do God's purpose. But in order to catch that vision, one must recognize what is in ruins. There are two contrasts in this story. One, Nehemiah, realized something was in ruin and it grieved him and he went before the Lord and he recognized that. The other one, did you realize the people of Israel, Israelites were living in ruins and didn't even realize that they were living in ruins? Two contrasts. One saw the ruin and captured the burden of ruin. There's a whole lot of people here who are living in ruin and don't even realize that it was ruin. And this is the two contrasts that I need to bring in application today. There are many of us who don't even realize that after all these years, your devotion in ruins, your prayer life in ruins, your relationship at home in ruins, that our walk with God is in ruins and we don't even realize that and we are sitting comfortably there. But then there's also a powerful contrast that God is doing that He's always raising someone who recognizes the ruin and wants to capture that. And that's how you capture a burden or a vision. And in my term today, a burden and vision is God's purpose in your life. Do you even recognize what is God's purpose in your life or are you sitting comf comfortably in ruins and not even realize your prayer life in ruin, your walk with God is in ruin, your relationship at home and with parents are in ruin. Your studies are in ruin. And you didn't even, don't even realize that you are not fulfilling and living God's purpose and vision in your life and you're sitting comfortably there. And it starts, the burden comes when you acknowledge something in death. What something is died or dead. Why did Nehemiah grieved? Because God's purpose and vision was dead. Do you know we grieve when something dies? People drama when their pet dry. People drama when something they like so much, you know, it goes. And don't even talk about losing loved one. It's very painful. We grieve. It's painful to lose somebody you love. And Nehemiah was grieving because God's purpose and destiny and God's will was dead. How many of us are grieving that you are, your purpose and destiny that you have, that God has for you is dead? Do you even acknowledge? Do you even realize which character are you? We can be the Nehemiah acknowledge, see, for something to resurrect, we need to realize what is dead. It cannot be we are sitting here and not realize what is ruin. It's like just now. The music was so loud that the people in front don't even realize it was deafening. Very powerful. Because you just don't want to do anything about it. You're just not acting on it. And this is how complacency come in to set in and for years our devotion is in ruin. Our prayer life is ruined. 
our calling and purpose to do what God called us to do is in ruin. So today we have a choice. You be the Nehemiah and capture and acknowledge what is dead in your life. What is dead? What is God's purpose and will that is not alive there? And that's what you see in chapter 1 to chapter 2 because you have this very comfortable person in a comfortable position, in a comfortable job, in a comfortable salary coming to fulfill God's purpose and will. You see, it's not about how much money he makes and how well he does in his job because he realized God's purpose for Nehemiah was also dead. When the wall was not done, his purpose and destiny was also dead. So what is the point having all the money and all the comfort that he is in the palace? And his response was greed, pray. He made a choice to acknowledge what is dead and step up to it. I will ask this question again. Do you or do you not realize what is it in your life that God's purpose and will is not taking place? My next point is, as we move on to chapter 2 to chapter 7, it talks about when you have a burden for a vision, when God has a destiny and purpose in your life, you have to act on it. See, this is where many people fail. They receive great prophecy over their life, great word over their life, great destiny, but they don't act on it. And acting on God's purpose in our life and acting on God's calling in our life and acting on God's vision or God's destiny for us, we have to act on it. The first thing that Nehemiah did when he recognized something was dead is get to work. If our devotion is dead, get to work. If your prayer life is dead, get to work. If you do not know your calling and purpose in life, get to work. And that's what they were doing. And while they were working on the vision, and while they were acting on the vision, they have to face challenges, discouragement. Who don't face discouragement today? But is that an excuse or not to work on the wall? It wasn't. And the very powerful thing that you will see here is they were all busy people. And you will read in chapter 3 how they came and stood with one another, one after another, one after another, one and then after another, one and after another, locked in arms to build the wall. Do you think that they had no families? Do you think they had nothing better to do? Do you think they had no commitment? And the Bible tells us who are the people who came and stood with them and built the wall. You will be surprised. People who make perfume. People who were merchant. Who comes and build a wall? Priests. Levites. Full-time, full-time workers came to stand next by side, side to build the walls. And I, as I read, women. Temple servant. There's not a single architect or engineer mentioned that is building the wall. How do they know to build a wall? Putting the bricks side by side. They were all common people not qualified, don't have the ability. They recognize the call and purpose in their life. They stood there next, by, next to each other, one by one with families and children and women. They start building God's purpose and destiny. You have to act on a vision. You've got to act on your purpose. You cannot just sit there and not do anything about it. They were all busy people. They had a job. They had things to do. But they were actively working on it. And while they were working on it, my dear friends, the story goes on to say that Nehemiah was building the people. You will see after chapter 6 onwards, chapter 7 onwards, that the people will need to be corrected and they were building. And this is the bad best part that I need to tell you. How long does it take to do God's purpose and vision? How long does it take? The book of Nehemiah says it only took them 52 days to build the wall. They recognized God's purpose and calling over their life. They recognized God's destiny and they came together and it took them 52 days. What does that mean today to all of us? My dear friend, it doesn't take forever 
to fulfill God's will and destiny in our life. It doesn't. It doesn't take forever to fulfill God's vision and purpose in our life. During the MCO, I had a couple who, who were hurt and rejected from other churches and um, you know, couldn't fit in. And they came to me and they seek for my help, you know, uh, requesting that they want to be disciple. Listen to these stories. You may be able to relate. And as the couple came, and because they are not from our church, and because it was uh, a, a request that came in, and during that MCO, and I was very, very busy, and I had a lot of things to do. And after praying about it, I felt that, okay, let's go ahead and let's do this. And so I only gave them once a month, one and a half hour, to do couple discipleship with them. And, it on, and, and I only gave them one year. So I only had to spare this amount of time. And that also some months, I couldn't keep up with it. And we only did twice a month. And in that one month, as I spent time to disciple this couple, they repented. They got things right. And then during my discipleship, you know, God has given me a passion and calling. You know, I'm very excited about discipling people to the nation. You know, I'm someone that whose call, God's calling to me is to be a blessing to the nation. And I always talk about mission and I always talk about how, you know, you need to be a blessing wherever God has put you in your marketplace. And in that one year, as I begin to disciple them, I don't know what they caught from my discipleship or impartation. Just one week ago, they messaged me and told me, Pastor, we got a business opportunity in Dubai and we are flying today to go and set up our business and we are going to make disciples in Dubai. Will you journey with us and follow up with us? My dear friends, when I heard that testimony, First thing it came to my mind is just God told me that I will disciple people to the nation. But first thing that came into my mind is it only took one year, once a month, one and a half hours to see someone living out their purpose and calling in their life. And I have been discipling people for years and yet to see living their purpose and calling in life. How long does it take for you to fulfill God's purpose and will? How long? And I have been watching, you know, recently a lot of um, um, health testimonies on YouTube and Facebook. You know, a lot of these testimonies, you know, how people who had bad uh, health and then how they restore. And some of these common ones that keep on coming up is people losing weight. Lah. And I begin to see this transformation, you know, people lose weight, you know, this transformation. And my conclusion is so simple as I look at all these testimonies. It only takes little effort every day Every day consistently a little effort and in 90 days, you can lose 3 kg. As simple as that. It doesn't take forever to lose weight. What more? It doesn't take years to lose weight. It only takes 90 days, little effort. When I say little effort means, this is the conclusion after seeing so many transformation. Eat 3 meals a day, no dessert, no snacking walk for 45 minutes a day, and in 90 days, you lose 3 kg. And you do a back-to-back 90-day -back plan, there you go, lose 6 kilo. And I'm thinking to myself, why does it take forever for us to lose weight? The application is this. We have been Christian all our life, from children church all the way to here, and yet we do not know what is God's purpose and destiny. And yet, and yet, being Christian all our life and walking with God, we are lost, no direction, don't know what to do. And I've been seeing a lot of these videos of transformation. It takes a little effort, but every single day, you will see results. How long does it take to see God's purpose and will in your life? It takes sacrifice, my friend. It takes effort. But the effort that I'm talking about is just a little. 
if you ask yourself, why is it after years you're still not on the wall working on things and things are still ruined? If, you, if it is true, what we sow is what we reap. Then what is it that we've been sowing consistently every day that we don't see result? If you have been sowing in your spiritual life since young, some of us grown up in Christian life, growing from children's church, and we have been here for years, if you have been really sowing, why is it that today we are not reaping? Why is our devotion still in ruin? Why is our prayer life still in ruin? Why is it that we are not living to purpose and God-given destiny in our life? What is it that is not right here? Are you willing to pay the price? They sacrificed 52 days, put their heart and soul to it. Was it easy for them? No. That's why you have all the opposition and challenges and all kinds of things, spiritual warfare, all came. Talk about people who've been discouraged. Talk about the enemy coming and, you know, purposely instigate to hurt them. It all took place, but they were committed to do the wall. My dear friends, you need to pay the price. If you want to fulfill God's purpose and destiny, there's a sacrifice that needs to be made. In a couple of months, I have some awesome privilege to work with some of the adults. And as I've been working with the adults, let me tell you, they are twice your age. And they, and they make way more money, put all of you together. And as I work with them, you know, I give you a very good example. Just a couple of weeks, we had a meeting in between service and all this Lay people have to come together. And, 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 and the leader, you know, as, we, as coming, to, coming for the meeting, you know, took time making arrangement, lunch arrangement for the family. And it only showed me, you know, how dedicated and passionate this person is. While making lunch arrangement at home, need to come for a meeting. And the best part is, you know, not a minute late for a meeting, and stayed up the whole night to prepare for the meeting because all these people are so busy that their meeting has to be fruitful, you know. It has to be effective. And so they all came, all these different lay people. They are twice your age, you know. They make way more money. They have four or five children, maybe three children, and they are so busy, and they come together, and they prepare for a meeting. And here we have people cannot come on time, tardy. Worst part is, come for a meeting and wing it. And their excuse is, I'm tired. Tired. I have so much work to do, I'm tired, I cannot prepare. Can you imagine, for someone who has four children, three children at home, The more money you make, the more busy you are, because like, you have to give time to make, to work for it. What? And then we are wondering why we are not fulfilling God's vision and purpose. Last Sunday, I was sharing with a wonderful couple about this amazing example of one of my elders. I have an elder who gets up very early in the morning. And is very involved in a lot of meetings. And so that particular day, our meeting was at 8.30 at night. And it was a formal and very important meeting. And this elder, he just finished his meeting at 8-something. And not a minute late, he joined the meeting at 8.30 sharp, awning, you know, switching on his phone for this Zoom meeting. He just finished his work. And you can literally see his background all dark black, you know, all, you know, dark at night. And he's sitting on the, coming on for Zoom meeting to be part for that meeting, to give his best. And he's twice and three times your age. He has all the excuses to say, I need to go dinner. I, got, I haven't eaten. And he's been working from morning till night. Not a single word. I'm tired. Tired. 
and we have people who are much younger, some of your excuses are colourful, amazing. This is what it means to build God's purpose and vision. You know, as I look at my three elders, it is my desire that when I grow old, I want to be like them. Not a single day that I will make an excuses not to do God's will in my life. And as I grow old, not a single day. I have one elder who is so actively working and yet very busy building the wall in FGA. I have another elder who's retired, 65 years old, he's retired, but he's still so busy attending so many meetings. Sometimes the meeting clashes during lunchtime and he doesn't even eat and he's past 65 years old. I have another elder, Elder Dorai, who have retired and he's, you know, and he's so busy, past six, he's, he's almost going to hit 70 years old. He's busy fulfilling God's vision and purpose in his life discipling people and making disciples. And you know what? He is so dedicated in taking care of his mother. He will make sure that his mother is well taken care of, you know, the mother have food, and still come here to preach and do discipleship. At almost 70, you tell me who is tired today. This is what it means to act on vision. That you step up and do what God wants you to do. And you need to make sacrifice, my friend. Everybody needs to make a sacrifice. You keep on asking God to bless you. God bless me with a relationship. God bless me with a work. God bless me with more work. When God bless you, you use that as an excuse not to do God's will anymore. And all of us know the story of Abraham and Isaac. When God blesses something, and when God demands that only blessing that God has given Abraham, what did he do? He was willing to put that one blessing on the altar. That's what it means when God bless you with a work, when God bless you with more money, when God bless you with relationship. Will you love God more than the blessing that He has given you? We all know this story. We also know when God demands such sacrifice on the altar, there's always a provision. We know this by heart, but yet we are not living it. We make excuse. We are desperate for a relationship and when God bless us one, that becomes a colourful excuse. We are desperate for a job. We are desperate to make more money. When God do bless you, you have no time to come for prayer meeting. All these people, the names that you read in Nehemiah had a price to pay. I don't know how much money does a perfume seller make on those days. I don't know how much perfume you need to make, uh, you need to use when you are on, on those days. Sacrifice. We all have a sacrifice and price to pay. But what is our excuses today? You know, some of our sacrifice when God demands are very painful, it's very difficult, and I can tell you that. Both me and my wife, we are working full-time in the church, and we have to pay a lot of sacrifices. We are not talking about, you know, taking out our personal, personal finances or things like that. It's beyond that. You know, one of the things that, you know, my wife doesn't like is that she don't like to leave me alone at home and go and do what she needs to do. You know, she struggles with that. Not because that I'm a small kid that I cannot be at home. It is because that, you know, she just wants to be. Her commitment is to be with me. And every time that she has to make the, the decision, you know, when she goes for a prayer meeting on Thursday night, she will apologize to me. I'm sorry I cannot be with you. I'm sorry I cannot make your dinner today. Not because that I don't know how to make my own dinner. It's because she is not able to fulfill her duty to me. But she will pay that price and sacrifice. If this marriage is from God, and if God demands something, she will put us on the altar and go and answer God. That is sacrifice and price that we need to make. 
Not make that, oh, I have a husband to take care, I need to prepare food for him, poor thing. He's three years old, don't know how to cook his, himself. It's as difficult it is, and she is difficult. She don't like to leave me alone. And she will apologize. She will tell, I'm sorry. That's how much pain she has to make in order not to be late for the prayer meeting. You know, she'll be there far early because that is the calling that God has called her. That is the wall that she needs to build. And so last Friday, when she had to leave me alone again, because she had to go and do, fulfill her calling to disciple someone, you know, a, 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 a colorful incident took place. While I was preparing my own uh, dinner and trying to create my own dish, you know, I had a major accident, a boiling water fell on my feet and it scalded my whole skin and I was in pain. But I didn't, I, 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 I didn't want to tell her because I know this is why she feels the pain even more. It took me half an hour to clean up the mess and then I have to rush for a CG meeting. My whole leg is red, in flame. I still went for the CG meeting because I need to build a wall. Can I go to heaven today and ask if God asks, I put you in the wall, what did you do? Oh, hot waterfall on my leg, Jesus. I'm sorry, your wall is abandoned. And when she come back, when I told her, it breaks her heart because she had to leave me. And the very next day, she had to leave me again. And I had to go for a very important hospital appointment where I need to make arranges for me to be admitted next week and my wife was struggling she had all the excuses and reason to say that she wants to accompany me she doesn't want me to journey with my health crisis alone but the next very day she made a very difficult choice i know it hurts and pain her heart because she had to leave me again and not be able to be with me when i go for the hospital appointment because she had to be at the leaders meeting to fulfill her calling to build the wall in ym Sacrifice. Two weeks ago, um, four o'clock in the morning, my mother sent me a message. She was not well and giddy and, 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 and fainting. And so when I finally woke up, uh, she said, can you bring me to the clinic? I am not well. It was a medical emergency. But I was on a duty to do funeral that morning. And when I read the message, I was in distress. I was in great distress. Because I cannot run and attend to my mother. Although I had every excuses to say that, no, I'm sorry, I have a medical emergency. But when I brought to the Lord, the Lord told me, no, you go. You go and do the funeral because you are called to do that work. It's not because of my job, my duty. You know. So when I heard from God, you go, and I told God, when I come back, my mother better be alive. It was a very difficult decision that I had to make. I had every valid reason. It was a medical emergency. The moment I reached the funeral place, I received a message from my mother. She said, I'm better now. You don't need to come. Sacrifice. Look at the sacrifice that we need to make and look at the excuses that we come up with not to fulfill our vision and God's will in our life. And as I look at the book of Nehemiah, let me give you my original quote. You either sacrifice your God-given destiny or you sacrifice your God-given blessing in life. Do you hear me? Do you get this quote? You are either sitting in your ruin, you either, every day you're sacrificing your God-given destiny, not fulfilling it, not doing your part on the wall, not fulfilling God's purpose and destiny in your, in your life, or you sacrifice the very thing that God has blessed you so that you can have eternal blessing. Either way, you're making a sacrifice. It's either you're sitting in your ruin and enjoying it, 
or you sacrifice and act on what is God's purpose in your life. And these are all decisions that we need to make. A choice that God gave us, free will, which is empowered by the Holy Spirit. So what is it that we are telling ourselves every day that we are not fulfilling God's vision and purpose in our life? Is it your job? Is it your, your, your things at home? What is it that we are telling God excuses? I'm very busy. I'm very tired. Who is not tired? It only took 52 days. How long does it take for us to fulfill God's vision? And this, my friend, is a choice that you need to make. Sometimes when God bless us, when you ask God for blessing, like Abraham, He will test your faith. Are you willing to put all that God has blessed you on the altar? Are you willing? So that you fulfill God's purpose and destiny. And so with that, the final part of this message is that this, keeping the vision together, Knowing you have a destiny and purpose, one thing. Keeping it together is another thing. And so when they have built the wall, what did they do? Nehemiah taught them all these things. When you are already fulfilling your God-given destiny, you should be praising God. You should be thanking God. How do you keep your calling together? You need to be diligent with the Word and you need to be diligent in prayer so that you will keep it together, my friend. Because that's what happened in chapter 13. When they don't keep it together, they lose it all together. You see, when God bless us, when God bless us, when God bless us, we become comfortable. The another word for backsliding that Jesus quotes in the book of Revelation is lukewarm. You're neither hot, you're neither cold. That means God has blessed you and you took all God's blessing and doing nothing about it. And when you don't keep it together, this is why we lose the purpose and destiny. They backslided because they didn't keep together. And Nehemiah taught them, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. And you will see in the great chapter 11 and 12, when they get right with God, when they started to get right with God, the leaders started to follow after the members. Very interesting story, you know. The members got right with God and started to put into action, the leaders start to follow. It was not the other way around. And here is an example to all of you who keep on comparing, how come my leader is not like that? How come my leader is not here? It's about this. When the rakyat do their thing and cast their right vote, the leaders will be sorted out. And that was the hot topic that has been going on. If you here sought out according to your word, keep it together and moving, everything around you will come together. My dear friends, I'm here to share with you, to tell you that God is raising Nehemiah all over the world. And He's raising young people. And some of the people that I have privileged to journey and disciple are in the nation fulfilling their God-given destiny. God is raising young people. I have a young person from Sri Sampuna who's fulfilling his de destiny in Germany. I have another young person who is flying to Dubai to make disciples there. And God is raising young people all over the world and I'm wondering what is happening here. It's either we are all tired. What is going on? About one or two weeks ago, my elder gave me a video and told me to go and research on this person. There's this young man that is moving very powerfully in the Holy Spirit and told me that no, go and research and message him. Maybe he can come here and bring revival. So there's this uh, Korean boy, you know, in his late 20s, is moving very powerfully, you know, like Benny Hinn. And so I went and shared that lah, to a group of young leaders And their response was, scandal. Scandal will go on. And that's the end of it. 
That's why the Holy Spirit is not moving here. Because when you're supposed to understand that Holy Spirit is raising people in late 20s in Korea, and that is what you're supposed to capture from this message, we are more concerned about scandal. Don't point fingers because in that group there were five, six, seven people who all rotting today. Why is God raising young people in their 20s? One has going, going to Dubai in their 20s. And even if this Korean man moving powerfully in the Holy Spirit come here and begin to spread revival, are you willing to sacrifice? You will give up your relationship, your work, your comfort zone to do God's work? When God moves, He expects us to be there. Last Wednesday was a very powerful time where we were standing in the gap, praying for the nation, where all the prophets were gathering together. What happens when the prophet comes together? You will hear the heart of God and the mind of God. And so, on a Merdeka day, we have people sacrificing, you know, their holiday and coming for prayer meeting because one of the powerful movements in FGA is that we are part of a national prayer altar for the nation. It's a movement for the nation. And so, when on the Merdeka special prayer service, when all the prophets were gathering, they were releasing the heart and mind of God. People sacrificed to come there. That is the price that we need to be to make if we want to be where God is moving and doing. So you can turn to your neighbor and ask your neighbor, what a blessing were you doing last Merdeka evening? God is raising young people and He has showed me and He has I witness to that. He's raising young people to do disciples. He's raising young people in the marketplace. I was introduced to this um, uh, young lady in her, in her 20s in Indonesia. And the story is this. She come from a broken family, you know, and... Uh, she was abandoned. She, she had a very hard life. And so she joined a local church where she didn't agree with the leaders and, 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 and wasn't uh, doing very well in the lo local church because she was not recognized and she was always a nobody. But this young lady decided, she realized her call and purpose in her life was to do street community work. And so she, she was very focused diligently. She said, I came from a broken family, but I want to make sure that the families in the street are blessed. So one of her things that she used to do is community work in the streets. You know, she will do community works in the streets to the point that her church didn't support and approve her work because she's using too much money to give free money to the communities. And she said, it's okay, I submit. She didn't have a good leader. She didn't have a good church to be, to, 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 to be with. But she stayed there and began to focus community work, street work, street work, street work. To the point, today her street work is so well known that the church was blessed because when the community transformed, they came to the church. She's known for her community work. I hope to meet her one day. And she's in her late 20s. She had all the excuses to say, I'm bitter, I'm angry, nobody wants to support me, nobody wants to listen to me. But she decided to say, my purpose is to be a blessing and I'm going to do that. She's still in that church. Faithful to her calling. I can't wait to meet this person. So, my altar call today is this. Today is the last season we will end that God is raising Nehemiah here. Next week onwards, the season is changing, it's moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as I close this whole series, God is raising young people. Will you build the wall? And the wall I'm talking about is God's purpose and destiny in your life. And if we are all building that, we will soon seeing God doing great things. Second, 
when God called you to be the Nehemiah, build it. My altar call today is something that you've got to think very carefully. If God called you to be a Nehemiah, what is it that you are bringing to the altar and you're willing to sacrifice? What will you sacrifice? When I say that Abraham took Isaac and he was ready to give it all, are you willing to do that? That's what it means and act on it. Third, you've got to keep it together, my friend. If you don't keep it together, you will lose it. You know the parable of coins? One person has one, another person has two, another person has ten. God has given all of you destiny and purpose. God has given you prophecies. God has given you word. If you are keeping that coin in your hand, there will come a reasonable time God will take something from you and give it to someone else. I think this is the reason why all over the world, God is raising young people. Because there are also many who are not doing anything about it. They're just holding it and keeping it to themselves. And the time will come, reasonable time, huh? I'm not talking about forever, you know. It doesn't take forever to fulfill God's purpose and will. He will take what is from you and give it to another person. Somebody else will rise to do movement. Somebody else will rise to be the prophet. Somebody else will rise to do what God wants to do because God's purpose will always accomplish. It's, it's whether you want to be part of it or not. My altar call today is something that you've got to think very carefully before you respond. Is something dead that needs to come resurrect because I'm calling the resurrection today. And that is your God-given purpose and destiny. Second, if I call that resurrection, are you willing to put everything? Third, you've got to guard your purpose and destiny. Let's close our eyes. I'm not looking for a crowd today because my altar call is really a tough one. But I do want to make this call because I have seen and witnessed that God is raising young people. And young people in their 20s. And if you would like to respond, think very carefully. If there's something that is dead in your life, whether your personal altar, your devotion, maybe you're too comfortable in your work, maybe you have made a lot of excuses and you've neglected being side by side building the wall, then today I call you to make a very bold and courageous step to come forward so that I can call out what is dead to your life. Second, if God has been impressing on your heart because you need to put it on the altar, when God demands some things, you're willing to give it all, if that's you, then you come in front and then I will pray for you. So at the count of three, you have to really think this through before you respond. There will not be any laying hands, there will not be any ministry going on, but I just want you to respond because I'm going to pray from here and I'm going to see how God is going to raise Nehemiah because that's His promise to me. So at the count of three, if that's you, come to the altar. One, two, three. I'm here to call what is dead to come to our life. I'm here to call what is difficult to pay the price. It's the price of sacrifice. And I'm not going to wait very long. I'm, I'm going to quickly pray and I'm going to quickly uh, end this. God is raising Nehemiah. What is dead that needs to come alive? What is the price that you need to pay? And as you respond today, this is the word I have for you. God 
is not God of the dead. He's God of the living. And today, as you resurrect your dreams and vision and your purpose in life, watch and behold, in the days ahead, the Lord says, the whole power of the Holy Spirit will envelop you, that you will move in the power of the Holy Spirit and begin to see the walls in your life being rebuilt, not by mind, not by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. As He begins to raise you, Nehemiah is here, you will begin to see in the days ahead how the outpouring of the Holy Spirit will be so tangible, so personal over you, that you begin to see you are doing supernaturally building the walls. So in the name of Jesus, I call forth. Lord, I call forth your purpose and destiny on all those who are standing here making a bold statement. Resurrect their vision, O oh Lord. Resurrect their purpose and destiny. In Jesus' name, I call forth. And Lord, I begin to pray. Look at the sacrifices in their hand. Look at the sacrifices in their hand. As they put that on the altar, Lord, we trust for your provision that they shall not lack anything. And finally, as an as a prophetic act today, all those of you who are standing here, can you turn to your neighbors and lock their arms? Bring all of you in front here and begin to lock arms. Something powerful is going to happen. All of you who are locking arms today, take note of this. You are not alone. You are those families, names. Your response today are names that God will remember one family after another family after another family after another family here building the walls that God has called you. Lord, I pray that you anoint this group. I ask for the power of the Holy Spirit that in the days ahead that they will feel the tangible, the tangible hand of God in their life immediately and they begin to see their purpose and dreams coming to pass. I pray for supernatural provision. There is a finance need here. And whoever that is, I pray that God will meet that finance need immediately in the name of Jesus. I pray for those who are lost. I pray that God, you begin to speak to them and that their calling is very clear. Your call to make disciple. Whether you're in the marketplace, whether you're married, whether you are, uh, you know, single and in a relationship at home, wherever God placed you, you are called to make disciples. And God will fulfill that. And may the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit rest upon all of you as you rise up to be the Nehemiah. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give God a clap offering. Thank you. God bless you.